Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And now, the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver presents... The Witching Hour. The Witching Hour is brought to you by The Mysteries to Die For podcast. It starts with a body. Suspects line up. All have motive, but which one killed? Mysteries to Die For is the podcast for mystery lovers. Season 3 contains the first stories of series detectives like Sherlock Holmes, Monsieur Lecoq and Hercule Poirot. Can you find the killer before these masters stage their grand reveals? Subscribe to Mysteries to Die For wherever you get your podcasts and put your skills to the test. That's the Mysteries to Die For podcast. The Baby Written by Joanna Skew, performed by Jasmine Arch. These woods are like the fallout. Each breath feels cancerous, invades my lungs with tendrils that leave secret damage. The dark seems alive like my belly, kicking, shocking, filling souls with the unknown, just like my playground as a child, Pripyat's biggest scandal. I was an alien there, sneaking through broken frames of glass and broken families torn apart by that spark of an atom, that twisting, turning corruption of the 80s. A disaster of bureaucracy. Mother warned me as she mourned father for the whole of my childhood. But the wasteland of Chernobyl 
was my escape from the black dog that took my mother when grief opened the door. I never felt ill like the men who worked there. Never did I feel the heat of the radiation beneath, through the tidal wave of concrete barely covering it. They said Chernobyl wouldn't be safe for thousands of years, but as I chased the delicate does, flaxen hares, and hid from the feral dogs and lax guards, I only felt free. Mother died of cancer, although I thought it might have been sadness. I was ten. My next mother bought me from the orphanage and collected me at Heathrow. My next playground was the dark web. My thread of choice was children of Chernobyl, but I played in the far corners of the darkness, stumbling onto threads I had no business being on, upvoting vague messages on posts that caught my eye, any mystery that called to me, enigmas that were as incomprehensible as me, my pregnancy. But the old places, the woods that were older than churches, the abandoned country estates, they called me the most. Like the thread of messages leading me to these woods, each poster adding intrigue, each new comment drawing me in, and the glimmer of proof that something, somewhere out there, could help me, because it helped someone else a decade ago. These scraps of proof were invisible strings, making me want more information. It took me a while to comment myself on any of the posts. Dark web threads aren't like Reddit, where disagreements with your posts are as trivial as they are inevitable. This was different. I found out about a ritual deep in the woods once a decade, but as soon as I did, a direct message came in. An invite. Knowledge or power, come for the witching hour. I'd never wanted either, but now I needed both. The baby moves with the branches that ache in the wind. It's engaged, head down like my midwife explained to me meant it is coming coming early, too early for me to find the answers I need. The child is a parasite. It found its way into my body without consent, without love, without a father. The doctors laughed at me, the police even more so when I told them I hadn't slept with anyone with a penis since I was 16. I thought scientists would flock to me, a woman raised in the shadows of the world's biggest nuclear disaster experience's immaculate conception. No, no one cared, no one helped. But the ritual will. Mm. A contraction howls in my body as the wind does, but between the thick boughs and dancing leaves, the faint glow of the fire beckons to me. I could see it from the road when I parked up, smell the sweetness of its smoke calling to me, promising me the answers I need. Where had this baby come from? Uh. Another contraction. They're close together now. This one tears through me from the top of my uterus downwards. I stumble, lean against a tree to ride it out. The leaves still there dancing and silence settles in the wood for my whimpers. The trees mirrored my cries. Their branches urge me to the ritual. I pull the mask from my jacket and cover my face. I am a lioness now. The heat from the fire pulls me on. Each step I take seems lighter than the last, as if I am escaping a planet's gravity. There are figures encompassing the fire. I take my place. We gather souls. Call to those eternal. The first words ring, cut deep, eternal like Chernobyl, a wasteland forever. Heed our pleas, this time infernal. 
The baby moves inside me like it is adding its own pleas. Grant those worthy with your boundless power. As the trees cradle us and these strange people writhe in their desperation, I fear I am not worthy. Not worthy to have this child inside of me. Not worthy to give it life. Not worthy to protect it like a lioness would her young. Their hearts desire this witching hour, and those whose metal may not suffice, may you claim their lives in sacrifice. I swallow. There is a rumbling in the skies above. A contraction smacks me. More powerful than the rest. More electricity and thunder in the pain than ever before. I double over. I don't scream. I roar. My waters give way. They are all breathing in sync with me. Do they know I am close to birthing? Can they see my stomach rippling with contractions? The warmth of my waters coats the insides of my legs. Contractions rip through me as more people join the circle. I fall to my knees. The ground beneath me is a black pool of earth and fluids. I try to connect with the man to my left, whisper to him for help, an arm to hold me up. His chest is rising and sinking faster than mine, increasing with every moment. No one sees me crumble. I plunge my fingertips into the soil, the darkness, the deep. It spreads upwards, twists around my wrists like I am bound. I cup my stomach. I want it out of me. I utter pleas for help between breaths. No one hears. My body wants me to push. I run from the circle. The path away from the fire leads me upwards. Stone takes my legs from under me. It could have been a branch, but the way my toes scream and my trainers tell me rocks caused my fall. Another contraction as I am lying on the ground. This time, my lips set free the howl in my throat. A twig snaps. The leaves rustle. A shadow approaches with a flash of white. Help! I call. It doesn't work. The man dashes at me, arm extended and pins me against a tree by the throat. He isn't making sense. His parrot mask is disgustingly bright, even in these dark woods. His blonde hair ripples from the sides of his bright blue plumed mask. His eyes drift down to my stomach, then grow wide. He drops me and backs away, palms raised like I am a nuclear bomb. It offends me. The rejection seeps deeper into my veins where the rivers of my mother's absenteeism scar me. I lunge back to him and shove him. His body thumps against a sapling. Its skinny trunk bends, supporting his mass for only a moment before rejecting him and letting him fall. His blue feathered mask disappears into the deep bracken. The silence the parrot man leaves shows me the stone circle I writhe in, varying heights of vertical rock. Unnatural, unnerving. It's all I have. I pull myself against one, peel off my baggy trousers and pull the lioness mask back from my face. I can breathe easy now. The trousers are saturated with pink liquid. I wait for my next contraction. Parrotman hasn't come back, although the rustling of fallen leaves signal his frantic movements. Branches tremor. They chant like the ritual, chant for the birth of my unwanted child. Maybe the ritual wants the baby, before it can give me answers. Another contraction. I brace. I push. The pain doesn't matter. The physical exertion drains me like a sinking ship. I reach down, 
I can feel the head. The baby is crowning, finally leaving a body it was never wanted in. Another contraction, this one as heavy as all of them put together. I match the pulse within me and push again. The contraction peaks and wanes. I feel wetter down there, but I hear something, breathing. I look down. The baby's head has emerged. I can see the precipice of its head, even though my stomach blocks the view. It is face down, but alive. I am not relieved. I place my hands around its head and push with the next contraction. The shoulders come free with a wave of liquid. With the next contraction, the final one, I hope, I prepare to twist the baby to face me as it comes free. <sighs> push! I turn... Water's twisting through my fingers, blood already drying beneath my nails. I see its face. Something changes, like I recognize the face of my child and know it is mine to protect. The contractions keep coming, every ten seconds, the silence between them only filled with my sobs. My hands support the baby's head. It should be over by now. I look between my legs, the baby, eyes closed, Mouth open, breathes, but doesn't cry. Another contraction. I push again, desperate to deliver the rest of the child. Still it does not come. I let go of the head. I can no longer reach to hold it. The baby's body keeps coming. With every push, every contraction, it continues to be born, never ending. No feet or toes at the end of its body. Only more torso with every urgent push. I scream. The baby finally starts to cry as it is pushed away from me. Every fibre of hair across my body stands on end. My heart strains to beat like it is made of caramel. I want to hold the baby, bring them close to my chest like mothers should do. Endless contractions come. My body is close to giving up. The baby's head is far from me, touching the opposite stone in the circle, and yet its lower half still does not come. I watch the elongated stomach rise and fall with each breath the baby takes. Does it sense we are still attached, even though its head cries in the damp leaf litter of the forest, far away from my womb? There is a whisper in the trees. Not human. Not animal. But it is joined by large eyes that reflect the distant firelight. The phosphorescent eyes blink with the beat of the wood. Their gaze only on the face of the child. My child. The baby stops its crying. Another contraction comes. I don't know whether to keep pushing with them or let exhaustion take me. The baby wiggles. I feel the movement rippling down its unnaturally long body and back. There is an end. I push again. I think of the tunnels through long grass in the overgrown world of the plant. How my mother worried for me, that I was beyond her reach, beyond barbed fences that only I could scale, beyond the limitations of her grief for her community. That feeling was building in my chest, urging me to deliver my child. The eyes grow wider. A red hue glasses across their sheen. My final contraction begins. I focus on the baby's head so far from me and push. Every inch of my flesh trembles. My breath hangs around me like a smoggy crown in the night's air, heavy, shrouding my eyes as the blood vessels in them burst. A tear rips through me from where the baby's hips finally emerge. Cloaked in a dress of my scarlet blood, my daughter is finally born. I reach for her, but my chin hits the ground as exhaustion takes me. I wake in a new wood, 
A fresh layer of calm coats everything that lives here. My baby is in my arms. Her hands and feet, perfect. Her face, her cheeks, perfect. Her body, no different to any other newborn, but her back is coated with mud. Did I imagine the birth? Was the trauma playing tricks on me? All I can see is a new life, so flawless as new babies are before me. But a glint of something brews in her blue eyes, something that isn't normal, isn't grotesque, merely different. The fear that has been biting at my tongue dissolves. In its place is only a need to protect her, her perfect blue eyes, to get away from what this forest holds, the darkness, the deep. I bring her close to me, inside my jacket. Shakily, I stand, pull my maternity trousers back on. My car keys jingle in the pocket and the safety of my crappy wheels calls to me. I turn. <sighs> the air escapes my lungs. The parrot man, whose eyes watched me give birth, looms from between the stones. I see his white suit now, pressed but tattered and muddied from his fall. He gasps. <gasps> She's magnificent. The baby cries. There is a hidden tone to her cry, like a song lost in time. He peels off his mask as he approaches, his eyes wide and face growing whiter than his suit. Give her to me. He has a pair of rusty scissors in his hand. He cries, cries so loud the trees shake. Now! He lunges. I move. The baby shrieks. The man falls into the shadow of the stone I gave birth under, the biggest stone. He stills, his eyes still firmly on the bundle against my chest. He can't move with the fear my child grips him with. I step away. He claws for his scissors. I cradle my baby girl and push the stone. Rock beats scissors. There's a pop before the crunch. I couldn't tell how much he bled. The area is too polluted by my own blood, the liquid of his death mixing with the liquid of me giving birth. The ground inside the stone circle will be fertilized for years to come. His arm sticks out from beneath the rock, twitching, glitching like a dead insect against a kitchen counter. I pull the mask back over my face, knowing there is no line I will not cross for her. Walking is nothing to my body after the slaughter of birth. My feet find the only unsoiled path out of the stone circle, and I emerge. The woods roar into life once again. The crackling of the ritual fire takes the lead in a cacophony of whispering branches and cries of night creatures. I turn away from the place that calls to me, away from the rabbit hole that led me here. A woman's figure stalks the darkness like an ancient forest beast. Her eyes glint with the scarce starlight. Another threat to my child. Another threat to remove. I bare my teeth like a lioness, let out a low growl. The figure stumbles, topples to the ground like my voice is power. With rustling, the woman gathers herself back together and scurries into the dark trees. I've scared her off. There is a book where she fell. It is cumbersome to hold with the baby. Its spine rests on my wrist as I open it. A skim tells me it's a self-help book of sorts. Maybe the woman needed it. Maybe she was broken like me. Maybe 
If I find a way to get it back to her, she'll protect me from the others, from anyone else masked and ready to take my child. Too risky. I lift the mask and move to escape. My daughter cries with each step I take away from the ritual till she becomes a shrieking bomb in my arms. I'm unsure. My feet feel it. I stumble backwards one step. She stops her wail. I brush my finger lightly against her soft pink cheek. She has my nose. I grit my teeth, move towards the car. She erupts into more wailing. Roosting birds scatter from the depths of the trees. The baby's eyes open and follow them across the night sky to where the strange silver glow of the fire looms in the distance. One moment, she is in my arms. The next, she is everywhere. Her presence surrounds me like a veil of warmth, of hope, of protection. She's urging me back to the ritual. Her cries grow quieter with each step back I take. Each strain my worn body pushes through. When I see the others, my heart races, but the baby gurgles in the light. The bookwoman is there. I recognize her figure against the fire. She is leaning into it. Bodies are moving. Wails echo through the old wood. Trauma seeps into the very air around us. Soon the fire brightens the night sky itself. The baby and I watch ash swirl in the heavy air as I lower my mask. And we take our place in the ritual. The Witching Hour is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver, directed by Andy Conduit-Turner. Tonight's episode, The Baby, was written by Joanna Skew and performed by Jasmine Arch. Sound, music and editing are all by Duncan Muggleton, with additional sound effects coming from freesound.org. Our entire series is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which in human language means don't sell it, don't edit it, don't dress up as it as a way to inspire fear in cowardly and superstitious criminals, but you can share it as much as you'd like. Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.